Hey, for the record, if it's my last meal, it's a cheat meal. Like, I'm going hard on carbs. And if Tim is betting on it, I'm going to make sure he loses that bet. I mean, if you knew what your next dinner would be, if you knew, like, it was going to be your last meal, I mean, what would you eat? Have you ever played that game before? I mean, this, this is one way I've heard it. Like, you're on death row in prison. I'm sure you were wrongly accused. And tomorrow is, like, the big day. So they give you a final meal, and you could choose anything you want, anything from anywhere in the entire world. I mean, what do you choose? So I was kind of thinking about my answer to the question, like, my menu So here's what I'm thinking. First, I'd have an appetizer dish because I am cramming as much food into this meal as I possibly can. So really, it's an appetizer, which is a bunch of different appetizers. So I'm going to have as much as I possibly can. And so I love sushi. So I'd have sushi in kind of my appetizer. I really like just the rice and you slap the fish on it. That's called nigiri and I love it. Salmon nigiri is my favorite. So I'd have that. And then what pairs great with sushi? Wings. It doesn't actually, but that's what I'm going to have. I love me some wings. And so in particular, I really like wings from this place in Indianapolis called Ale Emporium. They have Hermanaki wings. It's one of my favorite wing places. So that's kind of where I'd go. And do do they complement each other? Absolutely not. But it doesn't matter because this is the last meal that I'm going to have. And then I would have as a part of the appetizer, I would have a charcuterie board with various meats and olives and cheeses. And that's, that's just the beginning. That's like the first part of the meal. I've got so many other things in my menu. I'd also have a ribeye steak. I agree with Barb, cooked medium rare with a side of mushrooms and onions. Then I'd like my family's recipe of Thanksgiving stuffing and then lumpy mashed potatoes with extra butter. And you might be thinking, that's a lot of starch. Get off me. It's my last meal. I understand. And for dessert, I would have something we call my family strawberry delight. It's kind of like a cheesecake. My aunt would have to make it because I don't know how to make it and be a little weird knowing that she was making it for the last thing I would eat in the entire world, but it's my last meal, so I think she probably would do it. And to wash it all down, I would grab a pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. You're not, don't judge me. You're judging me. It's delicious. It's okay. Now, we have two more weeks left in our current series called Dinner with Jesus, and I genuinely wonder... You know, Jesus walked around a lot with the same people all the time. Do you think that he played games kind of like this? I'd like to think that maybe they do when they're traveling from like place to place. They played games to pass the time. What do you think Jesus' answer would be to, hey, what's the last thing on earth that you're going to eat? And we've been talking about all these meals that Jesus had, and there are a lot of them in the book of Luke, which we've been going through. There's a bunch that we didn't talk about. No, we've actually been going through the book of Luke and something we call the Ridge Reading Challenge, which is reading through a book or a chapter or verse of the Bible Monday through Friday. I encourage you, if you aren't doing that, to, to really get into your Bible every day. And we've been reading through Luke, and there are all of these examples of these stories that Jesus has with meals and people and how he interacts with them. But the one that we're talking about today is a really, really special meal, I think. Today we're talking about a dinner that Jesus had that's traditionally called the Last Supper. Now, I said the word supper to my eight-year-old Asher the other day, and he had no idea what supper meant. He was like, you mean dinner? We're like, no, it's like this meal. Like, you mean dinner? Like, very clearly, he had no idea what we were talking about. But we're talking about the Last Supper, which is really a part of these events that change the trajectory of the world. 
So let's set the scene. Like, so where are we at before Jesus sits down with his disciples? Well, Jesus had been teaching people. He'd been healing people. He'd been interacting with these religious leaders of the day called Pharisees. And Pharisees did not like what Jesus was doing. He was upsetting the apple cart. He'd been challenging the status quo. He'd been talking about how the Pharisees kind of had some of these things backwards. And the Pharisees decided we need to do something about Jesus before things get out of hand. So they wanted to arrest Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him. Really, they were plotting to kill him. And Jesus always had a crowd around him because people really liked Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And right before this meal kind of happens in the Bible that we're talking about today, Jesus had entered into the city of Jerusalem. And there are so many people there. And they're really excited to see Jesus. They're so excited, they started to shout at him. They shouted this word, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means save us now. So that's what they're yelling at Jesus, like, help us, lead us, guide us, save us now, Jesus, save us now, Jesus. And the Pharisees did not like that at all. They had a problem. So Judas, one of Jesus' followers, he decided to break rank. He went to the Pharisees and promised, okay, I know how to take care of Jesus, to arrest him without having to deal with the crowd. And so Judas betrayed Jesus. But it's really crowded in Jerusalem because it's the biggest holiday of the year. And there are all these traditions connected to this holiday that they were celebrating called Passover. So the followers of Jesus, sometimes they're called disciples, sometimes they're called apostles. The followers of Jesus, they'd found this quiet place to celebrate Passover, to have this meal together. Sometimes it's called the upper room. And they're sitting down for this meal. And that's where we pick up the story. This is Luke 22, starting in verse 14. So check this out. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, when we read this, I think it's really important before we get into all the fun stuff, because there's a lot of fun stuff we're going to get into. You might have the same question that I have when I read these verses. So the first question I have is, what exactly is Passover? Like, it seems to be a really big deal. Everybody's celebrating it, but what is it? Like, why do we need to know what's going on with Passover? And then also, it's really clear that as the disciples sat down, that there is this huge meaning connected to Passover. It even says that in these verses, that there's significant meaning, that the meaning of this meal is fulfilled. So what is Passover? Why is it important? This seems to be like something that they would understand the way we would understand things like Easter or Christmas maybe. So what is Passover? Why is it important? And what's this meaning about this meal that they're talking about? Well, Passover is a Jewish holiday celebrating the Israelites' freedom from slavery to the Egyptians. That's what it is. So this actually happens in the Bible. It's earlier. It's in the Old Testament, first half of the Bible. It's in Exodus 12. If you want to stop paying attention to me and go look it up for yourself, it's in Exodus 12. So God has promised that he would save the people of Israel from Egypt, from Pharaoh, from oppression. They were slaves. And Moses, who's a really famous guy in the Bible, Moses was sent by God to tell Pharaoh, let God's people go, like let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, nope, I'm good because they're my slaves, they're my workforce, that's how we get things done. It was a bad situation for Israel. 
So God brought 10 plagues on Pharaoh. And they kept getting worse and worse and worse. And the 10th plague was the worst plague. It was the death of all the firstborn sons in Egypt. But God told his people, the Israelites, to mark their doorposts in a very specific way. It's actually with lamb's blood. To mark the doorposts and that God would pass over the houses that had followed his instructions. Hence the term, pass over. So that's what everybody in Jerusalem is celebrating. This is the biggest of holidays. I mean, the most widely celebrated. It's a huge deal. And there are all these traditions connected to it, including this meal that the disciples had sat down to. And that meal would have all sorts of different things like bread, really more like a cracker, or other food like a lamb that symbolized what God had done in keeping his promise to deliver the Jewish people from Egypt. But that's what Passover is. It's just them remembering God delivering them out of Egypt. So the disciples and Jesus, they would have known this, and they're sitting down, and they have likely eaten this meal every year for their entire lives. They knew exactly what it was. They'd been eating it since they were born. And then things started to get a little weird. So they sat down, and this is verse 17. Then Jesus took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Super normal. That would have been a part of this meal. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is not normal. This is weird. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that would have been like, what? That doesn't make any sense. So if you're reading this kind of for the first time or if you've read it a lot of times in your life, that's okay. There's a lot to digest here. Pun intended. I'm proud of that. If you've heard this a lot in your life, I think that there's a perspective here that we miss. Have you ever thought about how the disciples would have heard what Jesus was saying? Here's what I mean. You probably have all of these traditions connected to like Christmas. Say you're celebrating Christmas with your family and you have all these things. You have certain movies that you watch. You have certain cookies that you make. You have certain activities. You go around looking at lights or whatever. You do the same things over and over and over again. If somebody said you're not going to do any of those things anymore, you'd be like, hey, don't mess with my holiday, man. But here's really what I mean. Like if I'm here on Christmas Eve, I'm on this platform and I say, okay, everybody, you know how, you know, we're, we're normally celebrating Jesus and his birth like we've done for thousands and thousands of years. Here's what we're going to do this Christmas. We're going to celebrate my birth. Do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. If I ever say that, you have permission to take me out because I've gone a little crazy. But that's really what Jesus is saying. He's saying, fellas, you know the meaning of this holiday. You know it backwards and forwards. You've been celebrating it every year of your entire life. It is the biggest kind of week of your year. I'm going to change it. Can you imagine? But he wasn't even done. So this is verse 20. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And I think the disciples were like, I kind of know what this meal is about and what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Like this doesn't track. This would have been somebody explaining something that you've done your entire life differently. And you're like, no, we got it. Thanks. But Jesus adds all of this stuff that blows the disciples away. 
So they're sitting down celebrating what God had done in Egypt, this Passover meal. And that's connected to something called a covenant. Specifically, something we would call today the Old Covenant. Now, a covenant is basically a holy promise, a holy agreement between two parties. And the Old Covenant was this promise that God had made to the Israelites. It basically said, okay, Israel, you're my people and you're required to obey me to keep the law. And if you do that, I will protect you and bless you. It was this arrangement that they had. And the people of Israel would obey God, and then they would follow the law. And then sometimes when they didn't obey God and follow the law, they would do things like sacrifice a lamb to acknowledge, hey, God, we fall short. And if they did this, if they're following the law, God protected and blessed them in return. That's basically what the entire first half of the Bible is about. It's about this old covenant. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's the way it was. But that's not the way it is. Because of, because of what Jesus has done, Jesus is saying, okay, because of who I am, there's a new covenant. And the new covenant is the same type of thing. It's this promise that God is making to everybody, not just Israel, to everybody. And saying, if you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, God will forgive our sins and give us heaven. So the old covenant is between Israel and says, if you obey, it's all the stuff that you have to do to be right with God. And the new covenant is about Jesus and it's to everyone. And it's saying, because of what Jesus has done, you can be right with God. And here's why we're getting into all this history. I know your eyes are crossing and you're going like, this is a lot, but this is why we're getting into it. See, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And I think when they heard him say this, they would have spit out their wine. Like spit take. I know that that's not super COVID friendly to do right now, but that's what they would have done. Like, they would have been shocked at what he was saying. Why in the world would he be saying this stuff? Can you imagine being a disciple and being sitting down at the most important holiday moment of the year, and then Jesus changes everything? Why? Well, the stage is set. The plan is in motion. Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't. See, Jesus already knew that he was being betrayed by Judas. He already knew that he was going to be arrested, that there was going to be a mock trial, that he was going to be brutally murdered on the cross. Jesus already knew that after three days, he was going to rise again. He already knew he was going to defeat death. He already knew about God's power and about God's plan and about this new promise from God and that the old way was going to become the new way and that we would talk about it for the rest of history. He already knew. But I can relate to the disciples. Actually, what we do when we take communion is really similar to what the disciples were doing. See, Passover was this meal, this time that they set aside to remember all of these things that God has done. And we take something called communion. Sometimes we might call it the Eucharist, Lord's Supper. Maybe you've heard a couple of terms out there. But communion is something that we do to remember what Jesus did on the cross. It's really similar. But check this out. This is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. See if any of this sounds familiar. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant, which we just talked about, between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. 
Sound familiar? It's almost word for word what we had just read. And Jesus is saying, look, this matters. When he says, here's the bread, here's the juice, do this to remember what I'm about to do on the cross. It matters. And if we follow Jesus, communion matters more than we can possibly imagine. Because communion is connected directly to this meal that the disciples were having. It's connected to Passover, but instead of celebrating what God did a really, really long time ago, we're celebrating what Jesus did after Passover. We take communion, which we do literally by eating juice and bread, which you can do with a cracker or juice or water or whatever if you're at home, and we take it to remember all of this. We take it to remember the history. We take it to remember the old covenant, the old promises, all of the new covenant and new promises, all of the cross, all of Jesus, all of the way we lived, all of the way that Jesus made us right with God. We remember all of it and thank Jesus for it because communion matters. That's kind of the big idea of this. It matters. Taking communion, celebrating, remembering communion matters. But here's why I relate to the disciples. Because I, I don't know if you're like me or not, I have been in church all my life. And I've taken communion a lot. And I don't know if I always treat it like it matters. Here's what I mean. I think sometimes when we interact with spiritual things, they kind of get lost. They get lost in a couple of different ways that we approach it. One way is I think sometimes we care more about the tradition around a spiritual thing than we do what it actually means. Can you relate to that? That's not a bad thing. Tradition's not a bad thing. But sometimes we take communion because it makes us feel a certain way. And I think that that's not all of it. Like, we take it, I take it as a follower of Jesus sometimes because it makes me feel religious or, or holy or connected with God. It makes me kind of feel good. And that's not bad, but it's not all of it. Or maybe sometimes I lose a little bit of the meaning and I go through the motions and I don't actually pause, I don't actually think about what it means, I don't actually interact with all of this richness and this history, and I forget that Jesus changed everything. Communion matters Not because of how it makes us feel, not because of the way we've done it or not done it or how often we take it or don't take it. Here are three reasons why I think communion matters. Here's the first one. Communion matters because it helps us to understand where we've been. It's a reminder. you like me. I need reminders, like bad. Like if you see my calendar, it's like a little bit of meetings and mostly like this is whose birthday it is today. Your anniversary is this Wednesday, which it is. You know how I know that? Because I got a reminder today. Like, I need reminders. But communion wouldn't matter if we didn't need the reminder. But we forget all the time. We, we start to take it on ourselves. We say, look, we're doing all of this. And communion says, no, no, no. God is doing all of this. Communion is this reminder that we sin. We fall short. We make mistakes. We don't live up to God's standard. And when we take communion, we really can think about the history of it all. Passover. We're connected directly to that, to the promises God made to the Israelites, all the way to the actual meal that Jesus had with his disciples. See, communion helps us understand where we've been as children of God, as people who make mistakes, as people who sin. Another way of saying it is communion helps us remember. We're actively remembering what God has done, what he's promised, that he delivered the Israelites, that he's delivering us, 
We remember how people celebrated freedom for years and years and years, way before America. We remember how Jesus changed the celebration from one about what God has done in the past to what is about to do in the future. It helps us remember who we are, our mistakes, where we've been. But it doesn't just stop at yesterday. See, communion matters for another reason, too. Communion matters because it helps us understand where we're going. It anticipates tomorrow. Have you ever been so excited about something you couldn't sleep? That like you're just so amped up, all you're, th- you're thinking about it, it's, you feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your bones, you feel it in your heart. Do we approach that type of excitement when it comes to spiritual things? See, communion matters because it helps us anticipate the results of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. I believe this. I believe that this is true, that it's not a fairy tale, that it really happened, that he died on the cross because of where we fell short to make us right with God, and that because of that, we could be right with him in heaven. Communion is kind of like an appetizer. It's this anticipation of this celebration that we're going to get to have with other people who follow Jesus in heaven. And when we take communion, we're remembering all this historical stuff or what's going on in our lives, and we're anticipating tomorrow. And communion is this reminder that no matter what is going on in your life, if it's really, really hard right now, if there's a lot for you to celebrate right now, if you think that you're golden or you think that you're in trouble, doesn't matter how much good stuff you are doing, how much bad stuff you have stacked up. Jesus takes care of all the good and wipes away all of the bad, and that's what we're remembering When we take communion, we remember all of this history, but we also remember what we're anticipating tomorrow. Here's the third thing. Communion matters because it helps us celebrate Jesus. Communion is much more about Jesus than it is about us. Communion has bread and juice for a very specific reason. See, the bread represents something. It symbolizes something. It symbolizes Jesus' body that was hung on the cross, beaten and bruised and broken. And the juice represents his blood that was shed on the cross. And I know that sounds kind of a little weird if you've never interacted with that before. And remember that old covenant, like that first promise? That first promise required a sacrifice because Israel didn't always do what they should do. They didn't always obey God. And Jesus said, no, 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 for once and for all, He was going to be the sacrifice. He was going to make us right for God. He stood in our place and became the new promise, the new covenant. And the sacrifice is what we do when we remember the bread and the juice. But sometimes, if we don't really think about this, we go like, are we like, is this like a zombie situation here? Like, this is kind of weird. And I get that. But this isn't really only about the sacrifice. This is about what the sacrifice means. It's not just about the broken body and the blood. It's that that wasn't the end of the story. See, this gains us heaven. Communion is a sign. It's a symbol of hope. Probably the best symbol of hope that I can think of. No matter how hard your life is, no matter what's going on, and I understand life can be incredibly difficult, 
But communion is this active, tangible, physical reminder that we can have hope no matter where we've been, no matter where we are today. But because of the cross and because of what Jesus did, we can have hope because of heaven. That's what communion really is. Communion matters. Now, we have an opportunity to take communion together today. Wouldn't it have been really weird if we didn't? If we were like, let's talk about communion all, all day. And then we're like, all right, see you guys later. Like, that would have been weird. But we're, we're going we're gonna to take communion together here as a, as a community here in a little bit. But before we do, I think there's one more thing that matters a lot when it comes to communion and how we go about it. We're going to finish kind of a little section here. This is 1 Corinthians 11, going back to what we had already started to read. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup, talking about communion there, of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. What does that mean? Well, when we take communion, here's, you're just cut, cut through it. I know there's a lot in there. Here's what I think that means. How we take communion matters. That's what it means. And I don't mean like the flavor of grape juice or if it's wine or if it's juice or if the wafer tastes nasty or not. Like, unfortunately, right now, the one we take here in person is like a little styrofoam and it tastes terrible. And I'm aware. We've gotten complaints. I get it. But how we take it What I'm saying is this posture that we have when we take it. Like, how are we approaching communion? See, the action, just like literally taking something, eating something, I don't think that that's what matters. It's not a box to be checked. It's not a line item to be crossed off. Communion is actually a spiritual thing. And it's because it's so important, because it matters, we take it seriously and joyously. So, Here's kind of what I mean. Before we take it today, we're going to talk a little bit about examining your heart. Here's what I mean. Do you actually believe the stuff we're talking about today? Why? Why not? If you don't, that's okay. I want to talk to you about it. Examine your motives. Like, why do we take communion? Why do you take communion? Why does it matter to you? And think about your relationship with other people. Hey, are you doing your best to love God and love other people well? Do you have some, something going on in your heart? Examine your motives. Examine your heart. Examine the way you're interacting with other people. Examine the way that you're interacting with God. I don't think communion should be used as a weapon. I don't think that communion should be used just as something that we do just because we do it. It matters way more than that. And we should treat it like it matters. And one way we treat it like it matters is by examining our hearts. Really stopping and pausing and thinking about what we're doing before we take it. Now this, this story, this Last Supper, I think it's my favorite dinner with Jesus in the Bible. Because this dinner with Jesus, it just like changes everything. All this stuff is connected to it. It reminds us, they're so rich, and all this stuff of where we've been, Passover and what God did in Egypt and the old covenant and these promises and the new covenant and the promise that we have to us. It reminds us of where we're going, that no matter who we are or what we do, we're made right with God by Jesus and what he did on the cross. And it gives us this opportunity to celebrate together, not what we can do for ourselves, but while we're still messing up, while we're still sinning. I sin all the time, do you? 
While that's still happening in our lives, Jesus died for us so we could have this opportunity to celebrate and to remember and to believe and to follow him and to be with him in heaven. And I've been thinking about it, and I think I want to change my answer. Now, I love sushi and I love wings. I love all that food that we talked about. But if I'm really pausing and thinking about it, like what could be the most important, the most meaningful, the most impactful meal that I could have as my last meal, I think my answer is communion. It might not satisfy me physically, but I promise you it satisfies us spiritually. What an amazing thing we get to do. We get to literally remember, to pause, to celebrate, to think about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Oh man, what a last meal. Communion matters. Now we're going to take it together today, but before we take communion together, I'd like to say a quick prayer for us to kind of start this process of examining our health. So bow your head with me. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that the cross is real. And that we have this opportunity to remember and to celebrate who you are and what you've done, what you've promised, what you're doing in us. You're working right now. And that communion is this time for us to pause and to focus on you, to focus on the cross, and to focus on the grave, and to focus that all of that is a distant past to what we can celebrate in heaven and in the future. I'm so thankful for that. So we pause today, and as we walk through these things, help us examine our heart. Help help us pause long enough to really think about who you are and what you're doing and what you've promised to do. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So right now, we have the opportunity. We're going to take communion together. Now, after we take communion, we have this time that we're going to respond kind of through other things. So we're going to take communion. We're also going to sing, and we're going to celebrate what God has done. So I'm excited about all of those things. But if you're here in person, there right next to your seat is the wafer and juice. That's what I've got here. So just pick that up. Don't take it quite yet. And if you're at home, grab the bread or cracker or juice or water or whatever that you're going to take as communion. Now, sometimes when we take communion here at the Ridge, we do it in a couple of different ways. We try to take it together as a church in some way at least once a month because we think it matters. And sometimes we take it during a song that's being played. We've had it at the end of our service before so that people can take it together as a family unit, which is a really cool thing to see. But communion is actually available every week here at the Ridge too. So we want you to know that there is a hallway right to my right, your left. As you go down that hallway, there's a space set aside just for communion because it matters that much. And today we're going to take it together as a, as a community at the same time. So I'm going to lead us through taking communion together. So I want you to grab maybe that bread or that juice and really look at it doesn't look like much. Just a wafer, cracker, piece of bread, a little bit of fluid. But like we've talked about today, these little things that don't look like much have significant meaning. So first, I'm going to give us a moment to examine our hearts. Like stop right where you are, bow your head, think about your life. 
why you think communion matters, ask God to show you the posture that you have as you're taking communion today. And right now, wherever you are, spend a moment thinking about where you've been, mistakes you've made, the journey you're on, the history that's connected to Passover and this meal that Jesus had with his disciples. Now think about where you're going. See, Jesus died on the cross because of where we've been so that we can be right with God, that we can be with him in heaven. So take a moment right now and anticipate what he's doing in your life today and tomorrow and the next day and in heaven. Now finally take a moment to celebrate Jesus. Thank him for what he's done what he's promised to do. See, remember, communion is a sign of hope. No matter the hard stuff in our lives, we have hope because of the cross, because of heaven. So celebrate that hope. Now take that bread, and right now, eat it. And as you do, remember what Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Now take the juice and drink it. And as you do, remember what Jesus said. This cup is that new promise. It's that new covenant between God and his people. Do this to remember and to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Communion matters. And we have the opportunity together today to celebrate, to sing, to think about, to respond, to remember all of these things. Passover, old, new covenant. We're going to do that in just a second. We're going to sing together. But before we do that, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love, this perfect love that you give us. Thank you that we are connected to you throughout history, that it's not just a moment today or tomorrow, that this goes all the way back to Egypt and to Pharaoh and to what you did in delivering Israel from slavery and that we can celebrate that and we can celebrate Passover and we can celebrate what is old and that it is new because of Jesus. I'm so thankful that we have this reminder that you love us so fully, so perfectly that you sent Jesus on the cross, not to die, but to live, to conquer death and that you're working in our hearts today and in our hearts tomorrow, that it doesn't matter what we're carrying in to this conversation or this situation that you say, lay it at the cross, I've taken care of it. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the way that you provide. Thank you that communion matters. Help us respond to you, to celebrate with you, to sing to you about why it matters to us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.